Hi, I'm Drew, and this is Dadly Duties. This is another podcast with Johnny Boy. I'm back. He's back. Um, so today's topic of conversation is, uh, well, the, the name of the, the game is it's practice, right? Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about how the idea of dad, dadly duties, especially the title dadly duties, um, is all practice for something, right? Um, when, when I kind of dug deep into this, this topic, um, personally, uh, I definitely decided that all of this stuff is practice for being a father eventually. Excuse the scratching of the cat. The background, perfect I was like, I don't even know the <laughs> Maybe they can't. If you do, it's all good, whatever. So yeah, um, just talking a little bit about how all of this is practice for being um, a good father, a good friend, a good mentor, uh, a good uncle, any of that stuff. Um, but especially a good father because that's one of my biggest goals in life and I think I share that with John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of like a big turning point for me and like your explanation of like what dad meant to you was the, it's not about like the future of being a dad. Mm-hmm. It's more about like the process of becoming a dad. And yeah, I think a thing that we've talked about a lot is that, you know, there's not enough men out there trying to become good dads before they're having kids. Mm. You know, it's, you've got to set yourself up and be in the best position you can to try and prepare for that. You know, obviously there's situations like my parents, like where you're not prepared, you're not planned and you can still, you know, make good decisions and make good choices and, and be a great, you know, parent. But I think just being more intentional with bringing you know, a life into the world and knowing that you want to be intentional throughout their life and how you want to handle that has shifted in my mind since kind of meeting you and like discovering like what dad means to Mm -hmm. you and, and now has like changed with that kind of what it means to me. So it's like, it's more intentional. Yeah, no, I definitely think there's, I think the more we've talked about, cause we've talked about this plenty of times, um, is like the difference between being a dad and being a father, right? Being a father is something that can be thrust upon you and mm. you don't really have a choice. And it's just like, I am this person's uh, creator. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the distinction would be being a dad is, is something that like you choose to do, you develop, it's a skill, you get better at it. Um, just like being a coach or any any other kind of title that you would take on as like a some type of mentor um yeah i guess one 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 thing i would want to talk about is uh what are some of the things that you are practicing like in your day-to-day life what's something that you view as like oh this is this is practice I think my biggest thing is, is like being emotionally under control. Mm-hmm. I think that's 
it's something that I also feel like is a like a core quality for myself mm-hmm. that I'm pretty level headed generally. But I think that's something that I, you know, I strive to have in all areas of my life, but especially that I want to have as a father is just knowing that I'm not going to make a situation more heated or more emotional than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Not that emotions aren't important to have, but they're yeah. important to have under control. And, you know, also, you know, working in education has helped me build that a lot, especially working with middle schoolers. Definitely. I get tested <laughs> on the regular. One of the hardest ages yeah. to deal with. On how to uh, temper myself because... You know, you got a bunch of kids who are learning how to be people and they don't know any better. And that is the life of being a, f- a parent, you know? It's just knowing that, like, you know better. And I'm just thinking back on my parents where I'm like, I'm 15. Like, <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know what's best for me, you know? <laughs> you know, it's just like learning how to manage those situations and, you know, build the relationship with your child to, like, you know, be a, a support figure in those roles and not be the person that they need to go talk to someone else about because yeah. they're talking to you about whatever else is going on. It's because they know that you're that kind of level-headed, secure, emotionally controlled and balanced person that, you know, that that's one of my biggest things that I'm practicing is, you know, don't let things get to me because... Mm. They're rarely worth giving, you know, the attention that they that you want to give to them. Just relax. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think I was actually talking to my gymnast about something similar today. And I love that you brought it up. It's, I think what I said was, you want to set yourself up to be the friend you wish you had, Mm -hmm. right? You want to treat yourself like the friend you want to have. You don't want the friend that lies to you and tells you everything's fine and you're doing great and just agrees with you, but really knows you're not doing what's best for you. You want the friend that says, hey, you can do better because I know what you're capable of and like do that for yourself right and i think that's also the the role of a mentor right a mentor does that for you they give it to you straight in a nice way that doesn't like totally break you down but also gives you some type of realistic view of like what you're doing wrong or right um this cat is on one and I love it. Um, but point being, I, I love that you're, that you're, the first thing that comes to mind is like being under control and being that person that they come to, not the one that they have to go to somebody else about. Mm. I love that. That's, that's, uh, That's one I'm going to write down. (laughs) I like that a lot. Um, What are you thinking? What's your first... uh... My number one, I think one of the things I think about most often is 
I want my kids to be able to look back on what is left of, let's say, my legacy or like what my, my life has amounted to and be able to be like, wow, that's quite the journey you took and something that they can learn from. So maybe not like, maybe not the best example in all ways because nobody's perfect, right? But I want them to be able to look at my life and me be able to communicate my failings and my successes in a way that lets them learn from that. So I think something that I daily think about is if my kids were here now, how would I explain this situation to them? Or how would I explain to them how I'm about to learn from this? Right? Mm -hmm. If I'm knowingly making a mistake, which all of us fall into traps, right? We all fall into logical fallacies or whatever you, whatever it is. How am I going to come back from this so I can say, this is how you get out of this situation. This is how I learned from it. Here's how you can learn from it and how you can avoid it. Or whatever else, like if I'm doing something right, how am I going to make sure that they succeed in those ways too? And I think one of those ways is my mentality with this is always bettering myself. It's always, how can I do better? How can I learn from this? Am I doing something wrong? I think that's my number one. I'm not perfect. I'm, I've made plenty of mistakes, so there's plenty to learn from from me. Um, but I think the the goal is to keep getting better yeah i don't think i don't think there's for me there's much of a goal to to not necessarily make mistakes i don't mind making mistakes sure i think my goal is to recognize that i may be making a mistake before i make it Mm. (laughs) you know like not everything you do is the best idea but as long as you're choosing it knowing that it is you know a possibility Mm -hmm. then you know you can be you can live with it a little bit more, you know? Sure. It doesn't feel like a slap in the face. It's more of a a risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you you know, you reap the benefits of doing something maybe you shouldn't have done. <laughs> and sometimes you, you you get your you get what's coming to you. So just being like more aware of like situations that I'm in and, you know, how I handle situations mm-hmm. and just try to be more like this is the consequence of this action or this decision. Am I okay with that? Can I can I live with that? Or am I ever going to regret that? So I love that idea of risk and reward. That's something I think about a lot and I think almost daily. And I've even told other younger people, I won't say kids necessarily, but like other younger old kids um, that I either know or have worked with that are now adults or becoming young adults 
is the idea of risk and reward. What's, what's a good example of something you may have had to weigh the risk and reward when you were like, whatever, 15 younger and did something that like either ended up paying off or didn't pay off. And you had to learn, learn from that. At 15, I think my biggest risk reward was, was drawing myself out too thin in high school and like being Mm -hmm. involved in all of the things that I was Mm -hmm. because, you know, for four years I was on campus from, you know, 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning until 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, you know, 12 hours on campus every day. You know, between all the sports I played and, you know, all the extracurricular activities. And, you know, for me, it was a risk to, like, do too much and, you know, burn out or not be able to put my all into whatever I was doing and, you know, be tired and not have enough, you know, energy for homework and all of the things that come with being a high school student. That you have to do. That that are required Mm -hmm. that, you know, weren't optional for me you know which you know I had plans to go to college and you know all the things I couldn't just like take an L on the, the, the required <laughs> part yeah so I think just doing that was my biggest risk versus reward was like I was risking like it felt like my sanity at sometimes like mm-hmm. to be involved in the things that I knew I wanted to do and I wanted to push myself and ultimately huge reward yeah like who I am as a person, like, was wholly shaped by my high school experience. Like, I... You still spread yourself too thin. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still testing those boundaries. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've learned more in my adult life uh, where those lines are. But, you know, I was able to do that. Become a chronic planner since then. and I, you know, built up skills to help support or enable that like mindset, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Sure, no. So I think in high school, like, you know, 15, that was, was me. It was like, how much can I do and it not be too much? And I think I found the, the perfect balance and, and tipping point where, you know, my grades didn't, you know, slip significantly. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't get all straight A's, but I put a, a quality high school experience over getting, you know, straight A's anytime yeah you definitely have to play that game of i think i i erred on the other side of things i totally prioritized uh for those that don't know me as as closely i did musical theater in high school and our high school program was very 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 good um i know that doesn't sound like it means much but it definitely was a big deal here and uh, I was, sometimes our practices would go to like 10 or 11 at night and I would just like go home and practice our dances or practice our whatever more and not do my homework and then be like, oh, I'm just going to wake up early and do my homework right before class. And it's like, I definitely played that game of how much can I get away with? Um, and that was a huge risk reward that I don't think I even realized was risking that much. Um, but I ended up being all right. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting how that risk reward changes throughout your life. And, you know, like that's at 15, that's what you're, you're risking and, and your reward, you know? Yeah. But, you know, as you, you mature and you have different life experiences and you're put in different life situations, you know, your risk reward is like so different, you know? And then having a kid and like what yeah. you're willing to risk and what you're willing to oh. go for, you know, a reward mm-hmm. may change significantly. I think I've become a lot safer or like I, I value security a lot more mm. in my life now than I did when I was younger because I just want something stable. I want something reliable, you know. That's definitely a, a dadly trait, yeah. I would say, is being the one who thinks about those things like being the 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 dad who thinks about okay how do i live a life that's stable provides a certain lifestyle that's safe and provided for and that's just ultimately like what a good relationship does right is you talk about those things with each other and you figure those things out. But I think that's definitely or even being on your own and learning how to do that for yourself. Yeah, you know? yeah. That too. I'm learning that. Yeah, like that's a that's a huge huge part too. It's like it's obviously you know, very lucky to, you know, be able to do that with someone, but yeah. You know, there's plenty of people that are living solo, some with kids, some without, that are you know, doing everything on their own and solo. And that's a whole separate, you know, battle that they experience that, you know, I think should also be recognized. It's like, it's not easy to, I would, I would suffer greatly in my personal life if I had, um, and professional, all my, all aspects of my life, if I did not have such like a stable, like supportive partner, that you know grounded me that I was able to bounce things off of and I think that that risk versus reward portion changes a lot when you have someone to kind of risk and reap rewards with tell me about that what do you mean like how specific or what's one specific way that that changed for you when let's say like you knew things were getting really serious with Brittany like let's say when you moved in together sure I feel like that's a good I mean honestly it wasn't even that it was more recent than that like moving in wasn't a risk it was just like a natural progression like we were like okay we're gonna live together now I think for me the the like risk reward as like a partnership shifted when like most recently when I was like going finishing up more school Mm -hmm. and like doing my student teaching and you know student teaching is an unpaid venture yep slash you pay for it (laughs) slash you're paying a lot of money you know loans we're paying for it but you know you're you're not receiving any income for an extended period of time, you know, multiple months and reaching a point where 
you know, there's a, a dual investment mm-hmm. in that, you know, where we are doing this together and, you know, her taking a, a financial step up in our relationship mm. where we had never done that before. You know, we've been yeah. very 50, 50, 50, 50, everything's 50, 50. When, you know, when we get married, we can talk more about how we want to shift finances, but until like, you we pay for the bell peppers, point, I'll buy the tortillas. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, you add it up, you split it down the middle, whatever you, you Whatever's. drink coffee. I don't, I drink milk and juice. You don't, you know, like yeah. things like that, like silly things that are so trivial. Yeah. But then when you're like, hello, like, Oh man, like I am not going to be able to pay rent <laughs> for the place that we live in together. Yeah. Is a very you know, it's a very like humbling experience for me as someone who has always prioritized like paying my own way and mm-hmm. being willing to to do less and take less and have less to make sure that I was able to pay my own way. I think that was a very humbling moment for me to not only accept an offer but also to just be offered yeah something like that where it's like hey we can you know shift the scale on on how our finances are paid for these next few months while we figure out you know it's just a lot of we and like Mm. that's the risk versus reward of having a stable like committed relationship where it would have looked a hell of a lot different if I had been on my own in a situation where I was going to have no income for four to six months Oof. while paying, you know, a lot of money to go to school and, you know, finish my credential. And it just, it just looks a lot different. So I think that's where the risk reward changes with other people surrounding you. That's a, that's a great, I don't want to say analogy because it's like real life, but that's a great way to explain that situation and how the, the payoff of the risk and reward, right? The, the, you, she knows that you're, she's investing in you, right? As a partner. And she knows the worth in that and how that's also going to pay off in the long run and make things easier down the road for both of you and your kid, God willing, kids, God willing, Um, which is like, yeah, it's cool. And it's it's also to have somebody that wants to invest in you like that. It is. And, you know, it shout out Brittany. You're my dad. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) You know, it's like a. It's a cool, like, return of the favor, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, us staying here was, you know, like, in large part because of her work mm-hmm. pretty much solely. We had plans to leave, and, you know, we stuck around, and she had the opportunity to really further her career and put mm-hmm. herself in a really great position. And, you know, honestly, in the position to where she was possible to, like, mm-hmm. make that offer. So it felt just good to kind of, like, give and get given to and... You know, now having finished school. And that's your return on your investment exactly. too, staying here. Exactly. A return on both your investment staying here. Yeah, I think just the, that cool. idea of like investing in each other. Each other and investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is practice 
you know, it takes practice, it's not an easy thing to do, and, like, you're going to do the same thing with your kids, like, you're going to yeah. invest in them their whole life, <laughs> shout out to my parents yeah. for helping out with my wedding, you know, like, <laughs> like, they're going to, you're going to continue to invest in those around you, and it's got to start with yourself, you know, you got to mm. put yourself in the best position. Well, while we're talking about shout outs for investing, shout out to you for investing in me oh, when it. we live together. Um, I have a whole nother podcast about um, notable dads and John made the cut. Um, I'll, I'll uh, record that pretty soon. But a little bit about it. Um, John definitely played that dad role when I was living with him at both places we lived together. Balancing dad and friend, obviously, and there's like a mutual respect thing. It's not like a a dominant thing or anything like that, but like definitely recognize the amount of work you put in to our friendship and like making me a better person and a better man. And I appreciate it. And I think I've said it lots of times, but I can't say it enough. Um, cause the, the amount of realism and like cut and dry, this is how it is. Like, this is when I'm wrong, you're not afraid to tell me, but like not in a, in a hateful way or in a like downing on me way. Like you have my, my interests, um, at heart and you want me to be the best me. So Shout out to you. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a quality that I think comes easy to me, and mm-hmm. and I, I I hear that you know is helpful, and to me it's just like so it comes so natural, and it's like I can't help but do it, mm-hmm. and I'm lucky enough to like have people like around me that have in, enjoyed that, <laughs> appreciated <laughs> you know, it, and that do appreciate it, oh, and yeah, you know anyone who who doesn't probably isn't around me. <laughs> But like, um, dang, he, he, he was too real with well, yeah, you know, just keep it real. Can't help it. Yeah. And it's something that I'm practicing too. Like actively practicing is trying to be real with people and not blow smoke up their butt. Like I'm not, it's something that you really like you have a talent for, but like it's something I'm trying to develop is being that friend without coming across as how do you say I I think it's showing how much I care I think that is a, a foundational piece of that you can't be direct and forthcoming with things that can be hurtful potentially or embarrassing or you know like upsetting if you don't have that foundational like understanding of like the intention behind where it's mm-hmm. coming from that's a, another conversation I've, I've had with danny um my best man yeah. my best friend from high school was like we say stuff to each other that's like can if anybody was listening to it could be like really messed up <laughs> like it could be interpreted as like very like hurtful or mean and like we just have like an understanding in our friendship where we know that that is not where it comes from and that's not the intention so we don't even like acknowledge that 
portion of it and it's just mm-hmm. like they're trying to help me they're trying to make me better yeah and it's just that's the foundational piece i think underlaying you know it because without that it can come across as you know like condescending oh or for sure you know like demeaning and that's obviously not my intention anyone yeah. i'm sharing with but that's how it can be received if it's not understood that and i think the other part of it is like and I agree with you 100%. I'm, and I think, like, for the most part, with any of your friends, like, there's going to be some type of mutual understanding mm-hmm. that, like, yeah. I have good intentions, mm-hmm. unless you can recognize that I really don't and I'm on a tirade or whatever, which doesn't happen. But point being, I think the part that I'm trying to develop is communicating that to people that I may not be as close with. Mm. right so i work with kids i've always worked with kids sometimes when let's say i'm working with a kid we'll be working on a skill in gymnastics and um i'll say that was a really good turn right but because they perceive it as a bad turn they see me as lying to them because they don't understand the intention behind it. So then I have to communicate in a way that tells them, despite your shortcomings, whatever mistake you made, that was a good turn because you made a different mistake or whatever it is. You you fixed it a little bit, but it still wasn't quite there. Or you you tried what I told you, but I was still wrong. Whatever. Whatever reason the turn was still good, I'm not lying to you by telling you that was a good turn. I think that's one of the ways I'm trying to like practice this because I don't want my kid to think when I'm telling them that they're doing great and whatever, that I'm just lying to them because they're my kid and yeah. I want them to feel good. It's no, like I have a reason I'm trying to build you up i'm not just trying to like build your ego i'm trying to kind of pare things down to where you can understand that failure isn't always a bad thing it's something that you can learn from and it's something that you can build upon but if you're not if you're not failing it's one of two things either you're you're talented and you're gonna kind of hit that that ceiling and then you're going to end up failing or you're not trying hard enough and that's not a good thing either, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to balance this whole communicating thing so so these kids can understand that like I have their best interests at heart. But one thing that, that made me think of... Um... I, along with Drew, I'm sure follow a bunch of, like, parenting, like, accounts and stuff. Mm. (laughs) You know, dad dad stuff. Mm -hmm. Just to, like, you know, gather tidbits of information. And I saw this uh, one video talking about, you know, how how you phrase things with your kids impacts them later on. And, you know, it's that it's not good to, like, tell your kid, like, you're so smart, you're so smart, you're so smart. Because that 
leads them to believe that they are smart and not in like a they should not think they're smart yeah but in not a, that they should think they're dumb <laughs> yeah that they you know they're less willing to challenge themselves because mm. they want to maintain this status or this view of being smart so they're less willing to challenge themselves and, and fail or mm-hmm. make mistakes and they're you know limiting their capacity for growth sure and like really focusing on like seeing things that are building up their like their understanding of your support things like i'm so proud of you or i love that and you know mm-hmm. i statements yeah, about yeah. you focusing on as a parent, what can I say to my kid to let them know that I'm there to support them and that I love it and I think sure. that it's awesome? More than you're awesome, you're this, you're that. Mm. You know, kind of feeding into like them thinking they may lie to you. Yeah. Because if I say I think you're awesome, I appreciate you, I am so proud of you and I'm impressed, you mm. know, things like that, those are, you know. You're talking about yourself, and that's just feeding into them knowing mm-hmm. that you're supporting them and you care about them, and like you have, they have you in their corner. I thought it was an interesting. That's funny that you say that because I started saying, "I'm impressed," a lot. Like that's been my go-to lately, and it's been working. So it's funny it's that you one. say that. It's a good one. Because I've been using it too. I, I have. My classroom. <laughs> there you go. Because there's some some kids that like. They do this crazy skill and have no idea how cool they are. Like, there's so many kids at your school that oh, will yeah. never do that <laughs> ever in their life. They, they don't even know how to conceive of how to do it. And you're doing it. Like, that's so impressive. And I wish... That it was easier for them to believe me yeah, yeah. because I come from a, a background of not doing gymnastics since I was 18. And same with you. Like, I genuinely find these things so cool. I get so much enjoyment out of them learning something. So it's like, oh, I wish you believed in you as much as I believe in you. And I wish you were as impressed with you as I am with you kind of stuff. It's funny that you said that. I have been saying I'm impressed. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a correction and I'll say that was a really good turn. And then I end it with, I'm impressed. And I'll be like, really? <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to the whole practice thing, um, we kind of have ebbed and flowed with this conversation what what's something that you want to practice moving forward that you may struggle with or that you don't practice now as far as like a dadly duty that's the name of the podcast it is (laughs) you know and all of these things are dadly duties like all making these decisions and like making the decision to practice and making, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing the impact of like the dads that have been in your life. And all of these things are, you know, the daily duties, like, you know, it's the name of the game. But I think something that I want to practice more is, this is so hard for me and it's going to take a long time. And 
It'll probably take until I do have kids to get there. Oh, dang. Because I'm, I'm excited to hear I'm this. I'm a little forced by having, you know, kids. Is learning how to do less. Mm. That is <laughs> so, so hard for me. And I've been... I haven't necessarily been practicing it yet, but I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I've, been more, I've been more conscious of, you know, how jam-packed my schedule is and how, you know, weekend to weekend, I can't wait to plan another trip and I can't wait to go see someone else and I can't wait to do this and do that. And we're always go, go, go. And what can we do? What can we plan? Who can we see? Checking boxes. And... And then, you know, we'll we'll have a weekend where we stay home and we're like just chilling on the couch and we're like, oh my God, like, why don't we do this more? <laughs> you know, this is so nice. We got nothing to worry about. We're in town. We're not hanging out with anybody, just the two of us. And I think that that is going to be so valuable as a parent to just be able to do nothing, you know, especially in the, the earlier years, you know, infant to toddlers, like. You can't do a whole lot. <laughs> you know, you got to learn how to be comfortable being home. You can't do a whole lot, but there's a whole lot to do. Right. Like, yeah, be comfortable being home, being alone with, you know, your partner, your kid. And, you know, you, you've got dirty diapers. Yeah. You've got to just be more of a homebody. Mm. And I think that's something that I want to practice, like slowing down a little bit sometimes because Sometimes I think, well, I need to do all of these things before I get to that point in my life where I'm forced to slow down and I'm forced to do this. But again, I don't want it to be a forced thing. I want to be intentional about, you know, the decisions I'm making moving forward. And, mm. and I think slowing down is, is one of those. Just one that I want to and that I think I need to practice a little bit more is it's okay to have a peaceful weekend without a plan or at least plan to not have a plan you know <laughs> that's john's loopholes loopholes <laughs> but yeah I, I think that's one thing that i want to work on is mm. practice doing nothing like practice it's just just chilling that's a good one especially for you no, knowing you so hard it's just like, <laughs> like that's a that's a big goal. It's also <laughs> hard to practice. Like, I gotta practice not doing much. Cause <laughs> you feel lame when you don't do anything. I feel lame. I shouldn't say you. I feel lame mm. when I'm not doing something. I don't have a plan. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am the complete opposite. I have to press myself to plan, dude. I I need to take some notes from you on how to plan better because, and execute. I think. I think, well, I don't think I have a hard time executing on plans as much as I used to, but I do have a hard time making a realistic plan. When I try to make plans, mm -hmm. I go overboard. And then, like, you know me, I'm a chronic tr double, triple booker. Like, <laughs> oh, make yeah. plans with three people on the same day at the same time and be like, oh, sorry, I gotta let you guys down. I'm dumb. So that's something I'm working on, and I've been getting better at. Um, How much easier is that when you have a kid, though? You can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, I'm busy. Oh, uh, double with them, dude. I'm their agent. 
Oh man. Yeah, it's it's something I'm working on actively. Um I actually have it written dude, check this out. So I started writing goals in this little book I have with me. I um I used to carry around a book just like this. I think you've seen mm -hmm. it. The dad and book. yeah, the dad book and I let anybody write whatever they want. It's like a piece of advice, a poem, they could do a little drawing. And this this book is more gonna be like goal setting and it's gonna be a little more personal for me just writing things down having it on paper um i just listened to another podcast about how like writing things down especially goals are a good way to kind of ground yourself and like take a step back um especially when you just get lost in the chaos of life which is what how i'm feeling lately um and yeah, I just have a bunch of good goals in here. To name a few, like one is practicing speaking. This podcast is like exactly that. Mm -hmm. I just caught myself saying like again. Sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, yes, I want to get better at speaking. The first thing on the list that I wrote was maintain a schedule. So like not just have a schedule, but maintain mm -hmm. it. It's so easy to, to like, dang it, there it is again. Uh, it's so easy to like get a planner and start planning and start scheduling. But then I feel like I'm just like filling in blanks with stuff that doesn't matter. So that's something I'm working on. Another thing I have on there is lead by example, uh, eat healthy, learn to cook was like another way that I was like, trying to trick myself into cooking more often is increasing my interest in learning how to cook like new dishes mm -hmm. i tend to shy away and then eat something easy or make something easy uh start... that's one thing we've been talking about is we're going to try and make that a, like a new like date night thing mm -hmm. like once a week or every other week like we're going to make a new dish Love that. Like a new meal we're going to cook together, you know, whatever night we want to do it. Like, make it fun. Make it a plan. You know, we can shop together. We can pick up the stuff. We can make it a whole night, you know, like a date night. But also, like, start expanding, like, mm. our, you know. Make your own our cookbook chef kind of thing. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. like, start. Because we've been expanding, like, the, you know, the repertoire, things we can go to, different ideas, different meals, and just, like, yeah, pressing that even if it doesn't work out like oh this actually wasn't good <laughs> or like <laughs> how can we make it better how can we fix it next time or let's not try to do something like this again <laughs> you know there's some certain things i just don't need to learn how to make mm. you know you've seen the like why why spend 15 dollars on thai food when you could spend 40 dollars on ingredients and have worse thai food <laughs> you know it's true, like, true. some things you gotta just buy out yeah true you're not wrong yeah i like that one yeah, that's one I have. Uh, journaling. I'm going to buy a journal. Uh, I want to start journaling and just writing down my thoughts and getting it on paper, kind of thinking it through. Another thing that this podcast is kind of doing for me too, verbally. Um, podcast more is the next thing. Lift heavy, <laughs> tumble more often, all the kind of physical stuff, seeing the sunrise and sunset, go outside more. Um planning for my move, look for another job, 
do a better job at managing my money. <laughs> Begin my jujitsu journeys on there. Um, getting involved in more commu communities. Maintaining a clean house. That one's on there for you, mom. Declutter, donate clothes, that kind of stuff. Just overhaul on my life and trying to move forward, make better choices, do that kind of thing. Uh, something I have here on the show notes is self-reflection and accountability is something that I wanted to talk about a little bit because I think that's something that's worthwhile practicing. Um, if, if you had to sum up a way to explain accountability or self-responsibility, how would you pare that down into a sentence for like your, let's say nine-year-old kid? Oh, as you were asking that question, my mind had like a, a route it was going mm -hmm. and then nine-year-old way shifted it. <laughs> yep. Cause I, at first you were saying like, how do you think about accountability? And for me, like accountability is like a non-negotiable thing mm -hmm. in my mind. It's like, I am very flexible with the things that I'm okay with being flexible and the things that I'm not, I'm very accountable about. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I could add some things to that area, that list <laughs> that would be helpful and beneficial and, you know, working on that. But, um, I think communicating to a nine-year-old is more about accountability to me is how, not necessarily how you perceive yourself, but how other people perceive you. Mm. I'm, I'm less worried about being accountable to myself. Because I can give myself a lot more grace. Mm -hmm. I think accountability is is how others view you. And knowing, like, uh, can I count on this person? You know, will this person answer the phone if I call them? Or will this person be on time to this thing that we're doing? Or will this person, you know, make a plan and, and follow through with sure. it? And, or will this person... You things know, that make you a high value friend. Yeah, will this person make time when I need them mm. to? You know, things like that. Those are things that I value really high on my like accountability list. They just become a part of my character. Like they're like non-negotiable things. So I think for a 9-year-old, it's it's kind of honing in on that piece of like how do you want other people to see you? Do you want people to mm. to see you as someone that you know, is punctual, is, you know... The answer is yes. Is, is, <laughs> is nice yeah. to other people. You know, mm -hmm. like being a kind person, being someone that, you know, they would prefer to be around. And that thing for a nine-year-old is like the route I would want to mm -hmm. go. It's like, don't just think you're awesome. Like, be awesome. Yeah. You know, don't just... I like that. You know? That's such a simple, easy way... To, to explain that, don't want to be awesome. Yeah, just be awesome. Yeah, and like if you are, then people will, will understand, they'll see that, and they'll know that, and you don't... It, I feel like, especially for a nine-year-old, like, 
it isn't something you need to strive for. It's something that you can do. You know, it's something that is so attainable. Being an awesome nine-year-old is like not saying mean things to people. And like when someone says, do you want to do something? And you say, yes, you do it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like a hard ask at nine years old. So I think that's the, that's the part I would focus on is that's the accountability is. Yeah, I like that a lot. The one thing I would say, and this is just personally, is, and this is a strength of mine, but also a fault, is I give others way more grace than I give myself. I find myself giving everybody in my life every excuse I can give them. And I think when I was younger, I would give myself excuses. Uh, mostly because I just didn't want to get in trouble or whatever. With my dad or my grandpa or the teacher or the camp counselor. Well, this is why I did it. But I think now I'm so much more hypercritical of myself. And self-aware of the things that are faults i think when i was younger i didn't see those things as faults mm-hmm. i was just like it's whatever it's avoidable yeah yeah it's whatever it doesn't matter like i have good intentions isn't that enough it's like mm, sometimes not really not for accountability <laughs> the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You can you can have all the good intentions in the world and be executing it in the worst ways. And you never at Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> um no yeah. But I'm learning to I guess work through that and I still want to be able to be the like I want to be the person that gives people grace but I need to give myself a little more grace and give other people a little less <laughs> if that makes sense yeah totally um making every excuse in the world for your friends to keep acting in ways that don't make you feel good aren't great mm-hmm. um and Again, I should be the friend that I want to have and be like, hey, call him out. This is how it makes me feel, bro. Whatever it is. And also, like, holding myself more accountable, like, maintaining a schedule, all those things that, like, I want... All those things I want to get better at, right? Um, But accountability, I think is one of those top-tier qualities that make or break a good dad. Hell yeah. That's like... I mean, we're not talking about getting over things. We're talking about, like, picking a kid up from daycare. (laughs) They get picked up at 2.30. Not 45 minutes You're not there at (laughs) 2.30... you're being paying money, you know, or like you're, you're being viewed as 
not accountable, mm. you know, and that becomes more irresponsible than not being accountable. You know, it shifts as the stakes change. Yeah. So, like, there's just certain things that you just are become non-negotiable that they just like are set in. So I think trying to find those things and like ways to incorporate that in your life earlier on helps prepare you to be more accountable in those situations. It's not because being accountable is not easy. It's so easy to fluff off, you know, just like, Oh, whatever. (laughs) It's easy. I'll get to it. Or I couldn't make it or, Oh, this next time this, yeah, you always have a, have a reason. And that's, you know, sometimes there are reasons I'm not saying. Yeah, no, like things happen, but, but also like something that I'm, I've had to learn the hard way is sometimes no matter how good the reason is it you have to live with that consequence right not everybody is going to see it as a good reason or they'll be like yeah it's a good reason but why didn't you think of it whatever it is and yeah that that's crappy but if you're going to pinky promise shake hands make Whatever pledge you... Yeah, pledge, three fingers up, Boy Scout promise, whatever you want to do. If you're going to do that, you better make sure you mean it. Um, I think another piece of that is is being on the other end of people making commitments mm-hmm. is something that has worked a lot for me is I've lowered my expectations of other people significantly where... Like, even, like, this trip we're going on this weekend. Like, mm. I was like, oh, I'm doing this trip. I invited you to join. And I was like, so if he wants to come, we're going on the trip. I already have preset in my mind. What you There's a do. possibility of that falling through. Mm. You know? Like, so that I'm not like, dude, what? You're going to bail? It's like, now I've already committed to this. Ruined. Yeah, I've already committed to this. I'm doing this. You know, that you're a a person that is joining me for it, then I have less of, like, that, um, I'm not, I don't want to, like, harm the way I view other people because of Harder their... ill will. Exactly, Ill because of their journey with their accountability. Mm-hmm. I've just become, I've put less pressure on other people to, like, follow through on things, and that's helped me, like, a lot, I think, just knowing... Oh yeah, well, there's always a chance that something can fall through, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're a terrible person and they're like spiteful, you know. It's like, <laughs> you, know, it's like it's, you know, at some some point you could, you know, you could, but you could view it like that. But I just I try not to anymore because it's like whatever, like it is whatever, and they have whatever reasons they have, good or bad, you know. And if it is a good reason, then you're already feeling better about it. You know what's funny about that talking about two different things that we've already talked about is you've invested in me as a friend wanting to work on me being a better friend, right? And more recently, you've even mentioned that I've become more accountable showing up like, early to things before you or showing up on time which was like a problem for a while 
And that's the kind of return in, return on investment that we're talking about the risk and reward where you're investing in your friends, your dads, or you are the dad in that situation, investing in for the payout of having a friend that you can count on. And I feel like that's part of the quote-unquote brotherhood of like dad. Mm -hmm. The idea of dad is that all of us that kind of buy in, which there's kind of levels of buying in, Mm -hmm. right? We have friends that just say it and then we have friends that totally buy in. When you buy into that, typically the people that are buying in are investing in each other, mm-hmm. which I think is debatably the coolest part about it, is yeah. having good friends that are that for you. And I think, like you said, there's different levels of it, and that comes from a different place you know, for each person, how each person has their own relationship with like this concept of dad Mm -hmm. is they're all very unique you know like i subscribe to the same like core philosophies and like Mm -hmm. ideas that you do but i think we approach it in entirely different ways i think you're a lot more conscious of it and you know how it is in your mind and and i use mine as more of like a like an undertone Mm -hmm. of my life where i'm less like day-to-day conscious of it but more like periodically reflective yeah more like an ideal right well it's more i guess of, it's it's more of like a it's being accountable like yeah. touching base with myself and like mm. oh how do i feel like i handled that and mm. I, I can share one example from from this week i had a really tough day on tuesday with a couple of my classes probably one of the worst days i've had teaching ever and yeah it got really bad with my third period class and you know security and administrators and you know eventual saturday school detention there were repercussions for you know things that happened in class and and then going into the next period i was like oh i can you know i can flush all that you know i can start fresh and you know students were just continuing to like interrupt and like talk over me and i got really frustrated and i kind of shut down and i was like all right fine like you guys are you're on your own for this activity that i was going to help you through you know, mm-hmm. you can't leave to go to lunch until it's done. And there was a bunch of kids hanging out in my room for the you know, first five minutes of mm-hmm. lunch because they were still finishing up because I was basically <laughs> refusing to help them because yeah. they were being so mean to me. And, you know, I, over lunch, you know, I kind of was reflective of that. And I didn't really like how I handled that situation. Mm-hmm. And going into my next two periods for fifth and sixth, I told them, hey, guys, I'm having a really tough day. Um, I had, you know, a tough day earlier in my classes and, you know, I just wanted to let you all know, I would really appreciate you guys like working with me really well today and being on your best behavior. And those two periods went by super smoothly. Mm. So coming into our next class, which was today, um, I just straight up told my fourth period that, you know, I wasn't happy with how I handled the situation. You know, I didn't give them the opportunity to know how I was, what state I was in going into class. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were being punks and like mm-hmm. being disrespectful, like continuously interrupting and talking over me. But I was like, I told them I wanted to have higher expectations for myself and how I handle that situation moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that I also wanted them to higher their expectations for how they're behaving in class. 
And it... Lead by example. Yeah, it just felt like I missed the the tie to what I was talking about. You were talking about um, technical difficulties, self-reflection you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about how like that that piece of self-reflection, like it, that's how I kind of relate to how I view dad. And it's less of like a daily you know, conscious thing. It's more of a more temporary, like really focused time period where I'm like, oh, I didn't handle this well. How can I like reflect on that for myself? And that's where I think dad really comes into play in my life. Not necessarily my day-to-day decisions, but mm. kind of more of like a, like a grounding. Yeah. Like a moral grounding, more reflective than, um, than intentional and i think earlier talking about being intentional with my actions that's all reflective also yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's like making that choice comes from reflecting having reflected and realizing i need to start making those choices Mm -hmm. and trying to embed them but it's rare that i'm like intentionally like i'm doing this because i want to do this Mm -hmm. it's more like i'm trying to make this a part of me and a part of my character and who i am yeah less trying to check this box that I set for myself. Well, if anybody had any doubt that John was a leader, uh, you're wrong. Because <laughs> I think I can't think of a better example of leadership than one, leading by example, but admitting when you're wrong and being able to come back from that that class that was giving you trouble and basically address it with the next class, be like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, I I messed up. How better to diffuse that situation and be like, you guys didn't deserve this. I was having a hard time. Yes, you guys were messing up, but I need to do better. How... Like, that's the best situation that you can set them up for success to then intrinsically want to make their own change and be like, you know what? Mr. Sturholm wants to make it, make a difference and make it, make a change in himself and, and do better. Why shouldn't I? Right. If, if they view you as like some person that views themselves as uh, an infallible, like authority figure, they're not going to respect you and, also think like this guy's so full of himself but if you're able to break down and be like you know what not perfect i messed up here's how i'm doing better here's how you could do better i think yeah. that's perfect that is a it's a big thing for me is mm-hmm. in my you know my my teaching career and you know ultimately you know when i have kids i think it, it transfers over also it's just knowing that as a student or even growing up with my parents, like I want to know that I'm not, there's no perfect person. Mm Yeah. Like I'm not perfect and I'm willing to admit when I've been wrong, no matter how I may look to whoever it is, it's more important to me to admit to a group of 13 year olds (laughs) that I made a mistake 
and yeah. that I'm sorry for it. You know, here's the mistake I made. Here's how I should have handled it. You know, here's what I wanted, what I want to do next time. Here's how you can support me in doing that mm -hmm. because that's showing my picture of my growth and, you know, ultimately is modeling that for them, you know, that clearly. And it creates buy-in like that. I think that's one of the hardest things to get kids to do is buy in those we all know those kids i mean maybe not all of us some of us don't really interact with kids ever but we know those kids that you have to really work on and convince that it's worth buying into behaving or playing the game or doing the assignment or dropping the ego or working with somebody that you don't like because those are all life lessons that you have to learn at some point like you're gonna have to work with somebody you don't like you're gonna have to drop the ego at some point you're gonna have to do all of those things in real life so if you learn it sooner better um just kind of wrapping up I think that the one thing I want to I want to kind of touch on before we we wrap up is well actually let me let me let me uh respond to that because I did respond and then it didn't get recorded. Oh yeah. Um what I what I had said was I think the way that the dad mentality works in my life is I'm constantly looking for the next thing that I could start doing that could make me a better dad. I want some of the goals I have as a uh, pros prospective father is I want to be an active dad. I want to be able to play with my kids in big ways and move with them. I think that's really, really, really important to me. Um, I think being able to learn new things with them is another huge, huge one for me. A lot of my friends, dads that I have a lot of respect for and looked up to when I was a kid were learning new things with their kids. And I think that's a good way to get your kid to one buy in on learning new things, which I think is so valuable as a person, just being willing to learn new things. But on top of that, showing that humility it, it takes to learn something with a kid for the first time and show that I don't know everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm human too. Like, let's learn this together. I've never unicycled. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, just like modeling everything. Modeling success, modeling how to be humble, modeling mm -hmm. failure and how to respond. Like, they need to see everything. Yep. Yeah, I, I, that's how I kind of view the dad thing. And I think you, you already knew that, but, um, 
yeah, being ref- reflective on it and reassessing how you handled situations, I think is probably important and something that I could, I could also work on. Um, before we close out, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and talking. Of course, of course. Uh, this was very spontaneous, and I love it. Uh, that's part of the reason I have the podcast is to to use it as an outlet. So uh, I appreciate you being here. Everybody else, thanks for stopping by. And thanks for being my dad. <laughs>